The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Jesus said, If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything, you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. This morning I want to uh, talk with you a bit about something that really has been stirring in me for many years and was uh, brought up again when I first arrived here. Uh, The very first time that I met you, we gathered in the chapel and uh, a dear friend asked a question that was I still struggle with. And that was, how do you reconcile your career as a military person with your faith? And I think as I, I, I responded that day, I'm sure that I have not reconciled that completely. I struggle with it always. So what I'm going to preach this morning is uh, some of the reflection of that struggle. You may not like some that you hear in this sermon. I hope you will set it on a shelf and maybe return to it <laughs> and think about it. But I'm telling you what where I am and where I've come, at least as somebody who served for many years and was uh, played a, a significant role in building bombers that are now killing people. Years ago, many years ago, when I was a captain in the Air Force, I was a brand new captain, in fact. One of the first things that happens after you become a captain is the opportunity to go to a professional military school, the first one after your commission. This particular one was 14 weeks long. It was in Montgomery, Alabama, not one of my favorite spots. Uh, Lou and I were living in San Antonio at the time, but because it was going to be such a long course, we decided that uh, we would move to Montgomery. We ended up living in a place called the Eagle's Nest Trailer Park. (laughs) Now, on the surface of it, you would think the Eagle's Nest might be a pretty nice place. And after all, it was right outside the main gate, and this is quite Maxwell Air Force Base. It's a wonderful, beautiful base. But we got there, and we found, of course, that it was filled with students like us who rotated through there about every 14 weeks. It was not very well kept, and I won't go into the details of that. But the other thing that was very interesting about it was that the owner was best known for his ownership of a five-legged calf. (laughs) And somehow all of that just seemed to fit together. (laughs) And the eagle's nest 
certainly did not live up to its reputation because we had a lot of rain that spring and it soon became a mud pit. It was an awful place. But the school itself was really a wonderful experience. In fact, it was, I would say it was a life-changing experience for me in many ways. Uh, not only in my professional life in the Air Force, but perhaps uh, more so on a deeper level, it started that question that I was talking about earlier, how to reconcile where God is and, and how we as people can defend ourselves and understand that to be okay while at the same time believing that we have a just God and a God of love. One of the most memorable things that happened there was a lecture that uh, I attended. Uh, we, we attended. Uh, it was mandatory to attend all the lectures. I didn't opt into this one. <laughs> we were in the blue bedroom. The blue bedroom was this huge auditorium, probably could hold eight, 800 students, with a very large stage. All of the presentations were very slick. They were all impeccably presented. They were always vetted through many, many supervisors before a person ever got to that stage. And that day, the, the lecture was on values. And I remember in that lecture, the one thing that I have puzzled over all of these years, the lecturer said, remember your allegiances. Remember your allegiance to your nation, your country, to your family, and to your God. And in that order, I couldn't believe what I had heard. I could not believe what I had heard. First of all, does God even belong in the list? And then beyond that, how do I reconcile all of those other things in my life that I sometimes have in different order? And as I recall, he even went so far as to have us uh, interact with him and raise our hands and do all sorts of things. It was a very uncomfortable experience. Ever since then, I find myself going back to that lecture and how absurd it was but recalling and thinking to myself where is God in all of it how do we connect God with the messiness of this world with the fallenness of it with the all of the terrible things that human beings do to one another sometimes even in the name of God since then, I've, I've uh, thought back on the many ways in which uh, nations and armies have claimed God to be on their side. I'm sure that many of you will remember the, the phrase, Gott mit uns, that was on the uh, God with us, uh, the, uh, the emblem that was on the uh, belt buckle of uh, the German Wehrmacht. And perhaps every army has gone into battle with that sense that God is with us. And I'm sure if you talked with soldiers on either side in the, in the Second World War, you would have found that they were, many of them, people of faith who did believe that God was with them. And certainly God was in some sense. But now it seems it's even worse in some ways because now we seem to say, that God is on our side and we're fighting religious wars. And I think that is a particularly dangerous aspect, bringing God and military together. I'll never forget when studying uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in one of the textbooks that we use, there was a photo in there of a picture of a, of a Lutheran altar. And on that altar, draping that altar, was a German flag, the swastika, right in the middle of the altar. 
I believe that's what can happen when church and state become too much complicit, especially complicit in war. This week, we'll be observing the seventh anniversary of the tragedy of 9-11. And in the wake of that tragedy, we have, I think, too often allowed ourselves to respond to our lesser nature, to reach down rather than to reach up, to lower ourselves, and perhaps worst of all, to claim that God is with us in all of this. And what I find most appalling is when religious leaders fan the flames of war, political leaders as well, rather than trying to think through the logic of where we are and why are we here in this situation and what is right, we often find people encouraging us to go to war. Soon after 9-11, one could hear many statements I found very offensive. Franklin Graham, the son of Billy Graham, on NBC Nightly News, derided Islam as an evil and wicked religion. Jerry Vines, the former president of the Southern Baptist Convention, denigrated the prophet Muhammad as a demon-possessed pedophile. And there was a senator who characterized the Middle East conflict as a, as a contest over whether or not the word of God was true. Now, I could go on and on, and you've heard, you've heard them all, probably. You've heard many of them repeated over and over. God being dragged into our conflicts, and perhaps even worse, to claim that God in some way warrants it. So where does God fit into all of it? If we turn to Scripture, this passage today from Exodus is a wonderful one to, as just an example of how we can kind of, I think, get off course. We hear in that passage a description of a vengeful God. This is a God who is going to have kill, who will kill all of the firstborn, whether they are human or animal. This is a God who seems to have to dominate and show dominion over to, in order to show God's power and God's authority. Now, one of the things that I think we learn, and, I'm, and I hope most of you have had an opportunity to think this through. When you read the span of Scripture, we see that there is an unveiling and a revealing of the character of God that seems to be almost evolutionary in terms of our understanding. So when you read older texts, you find a tribal God, a tribal God that's competing with other tribal gods, and then finally that tribal God dominating or being the one that is the most powerful. We see competitions between these gods, even at altars. I think now we all would agree that the God that we worship is not a God that would condone, encourage, or command people to pillage cities and utterly destroy them in order for that God to be shown as powerful or as having dominion. So I think that the first thing we need to see is that Scripture shows us that we have had a growing understanding of who God is and of God's character. And as Christians, of course, we believe that in Christ we have the most complete revelation of the character of God. And that is, of course, reflected in the Gospels. And in the Gospels we see God revealed as loving the unloved, reaching out to the oppressed, seeking always to invite the stranger and to include the outcasts. 
and always, always reconciling people to one another and people to God. How different that is from the God that we see in some parts of Scripture, and especially in places like uh, Constantine's uh, vision, where because of his vision, the cross ended up on the shields of the Roman army. And on how many shields after that was the cross placed? And how much violence was done, even in the name of God? So where is God in the mix? Perhaps God stands outside, looking in upon our conflicts, and simply weeps. Perhaps God does stand with us. I believe God does. I believe God knows our pain, knows our suffering on all sides, and stands with us and weeps. As we approach the seventh anniversary of 9-11, let us remember a brave Lutheran pastor and theologian, Martin Niemöller. He protested personally to Hitler. He went to Hitler personally and protested the Fuhrer's policy against the Jews. He was later arrested and ended up in Dachau. He wrote at one time, It took me a long time to learn that God is not the enemy of my enemies. He is not even the enemy of his enemies. May we all learn to embrace that sentiment, that understanding of our God. And may we as a nation embrace it as well. May we remember who we are. May we remember who our God is. Amen.